Corner with the Brian Campbell. This is the Professional Wrestling Edition. Now, me, I am well-dressed Nick Costos. And I want to tell you about my weekend this past weekend. You see, I am seeing this beautiful Argentinian girl who lives in Brickell down in Miami. She's gorgeous, yes. The zipper. I'm not even going to get into that because this is a, a family program. But yes, beautiful Argentinian paramour who lives down in Miami. And she loves well-dressed Nick's wardrobe. She loves well-dressed Nick's new BMW M4. But here's the problem. My Argentinian paramour, she got into the M4 so I could drive back to her house last week. And you know what she said to me? She said, well-dressed Nick. I don't know that I like the red interior of this car. I think that I would have gotten black. And I said, Argentinian Paramore, you know what you can do with your opinion? Get the hell out of my car. Who the hell are you to tell well-dressed Nick what he's going to do with his brand new BMW? She got out of the car and well-dressed Nick found a new girl to go home with because you know, well-dressed Nick Costos does not rest in peace. He can stay up all night. And you follow well-dressed Nick on Instagram at the Costos, and you should do so. Not because well-dressed Nick is petty and insecure. He's not. He knows he's the man. But you should do so because following well-dressed Nick will make your life that much better. And I am also joined, as always, by my tag team partners. First up, you could tell he was a little salty a few weeks ago when I said his goatee was repulsive. That's probably because there were grains of salt hanging in it from the lunch he had eaten a few hours earlier. He is a wrestling savant. He is a college football powerhouse. Just got done steering the ship. National signing day for CBS Sports. He is the man. He is the myth. He is the legend. He has a repulsive goatee. He is the Silver King, Adam Silverstein. And, uh... and as always, I am joined by the man whose name is on the marquee. Come on. He is the icon. Let's go. He is the main event. Bring it. He is the showstopper. My man. He was the whole effing show. One time. The bod that runs the pod. Stay hyped. Is the mast that guides the cast. Here we go. You know his name, damn it. He is the Brian Campbell. Oh, yeah. BC, tell them what's on the podcast. Well, Nick, the band is back together on the In This Campbell podcast. So you know you'll want to do yourselves a favor and get some of this. Look, let's pull no punches off the start. This will not be a normal episode of the ITC because too much has happened over the last two weeks. I was on a damn boat for eight days and living it up right near the beach. Bye. And there is so much to talk about that we are going to forgo a typical structure and roll out the balls and see where this goes. One thing I can still guarantee is that we'll bring it with an extra passionate dose of that performance-enhancing audio. But you know I'm happy to have back the most passionate man in North America, and you know I'm just straight-up happy to be back after Adam steered the ship for us uh, very competently last week while I was unplugged from civilization for eight days. But let me start off by saying, guys, right off the top, I'm never, ever doing this again. Never leaving you high and dry during the second busiest WWE week of the year just because my wife booked travel dates eight months in advance without checking the schedule first. Is it because I love our listeners? Well, not really. It's because I got home late Sunday night and spent the next 48 hours doing nothing but watching takeovers, rumbles, two Raws, two Smackdowns, a pair of 205 Live, some mixed match challenges, NJPW New Beginning from Sapporo. 
so much has happened over 12 days. Like, I don't even know what to say. I don't even know where to begin. All I know is, like, I'm dead. And speaking of mailing Katie Vick. I don't, I, my, I don't know when this stuff happened and in what order, but let's unpack it. Let's unroll it because right now is a good time to be a wrestling fan. WrestleMania season is upon us, and WWE, <laughs> you deserve it. You, you, you brought it, all right? Is that my cue to go? That is your cue to go. You've been on a boat for 12, for however long, Brian. Normally I get the, and now we turn the reins over to the most passionate man in North America. You want to get a mulligan? Do that again, buddy. Uh, It's my yard now. Uh, Wrong wrong reins. Um, Yeah, so why don't I pass the ball back to the the most passionate man in North America, the well-tanned Greek, the well-dressed Nick Costos. Um, so first off, let's give props to the Silver King. Great job with his Rumble recap last week in our absence. Good job, Silver King. So Silver King gave you his detailed thoughts on the Rumble. Before we get into what we saw this week on WWE Programming, Bri, you have yet to give your thoughts on the Royal Rumble. Know the listeners would really like to hear that. So hit us with your take on the Men's Royal Rumble, the Women's Royal Rumble, and anything else that struck your fancy from the card. Yeah, let me say this. That was a great pay-per-view card. I, I was... I tried to do as much fast-forwarding when I got back of this WWE content, this daunting task that I somehow thought I was going to finish in one day. And I could not fast-forward through really many parts of this Royal Rumble card. Outside of the bad kickoff show, they brought it. And they let us go home happy. Now, I want to just basically, we'll get to Rousey. Say what you will, whether you thought the Rousey part was underwhelming. The fact that she was there was big. But I really thought, guys, the men's match hit an absolute home run. They don't always do the rumble right in the sense that they do smart booking to please the smarks. They don't always let us go home happy. We more often get last year's Randy Orton victory where you're sort of like, okay, you know, I liked a lot of parts of that match. The finish is okay. It reminded me when Sheamus won it. It reminded me of when a lot of these sort of like, oh, that guy won it? Okay. This was not only giving the fans what they want and Shinsuke Nakamura winning it. But I thought the whole way they booked that ending, like the teases that Cena and Reigns might do it, even the Dolph Ziggler tease, which I didn't like that ultimately he was wasted. But when he did come out at 30, I'm like, or whatever number he came, I'm like, whoa, is he going to win it? This is great. So I thought they just handled that in a way that was like, we're going to please the fans. And they don't always do that. Like, let's be honest. Even though we get what we want typically from WrestleMania season, we don't always get the kickoff to be red, freaking hot. We got that on the Rumble, and I watched the Raw after, like right after that. I am fired up about this product right now. So that's why I got to start it off with, with, with a round of applause, Nick. I want to hear if you agree with me because we predicted Nakamura. I did. It wasn't like a bold prediction, but they did it really well. Yeah, I think that's a top three Rumble of all time. And I felt that while I was watching it. It was superbly booked. There's always down periods in a Rumble match. It, even in the 92 Rumble, which we did for a pay-per-view rewind a couple months ago, that's the best Rumble ever. I think it always will be just because of the circumstances, the star power, Flair winning the belt. Um, but there were down periods in that match. So there are down periods in every Rumble match. And I hated the Ziggler reveal because it's like, why did you do that just to have him come back Great and true. get eliminated in a couple of minutes in the Rumble? It made absolutely no sense. But the men's Rumble was terrific. I want to give the women a lot of credit. I thought that rumble was terrific. And I liked what they did with Rousey afterwards. And to all the morons out there who were like, oh, Asuka had her, had her moment stolen by Ronda Rousey. Do you, do you understand how pro wrestling works? Like, did Steve Austin have his moment stolen by Mike Tyson? Like, being in the ring with Asuka raises the rent, right? Like, Asuka being in the ring with Rousey makes Asuka a bigger star, makes Charlotte Flair a bigger star. That's the point of the entire thing. The only complaint I have about the rumble, and I'm sure everyone agrees, I know Adam does because he said it on the podcast. Um, 
the Lesnar Kane Strowman match was obviously just atrocious beyond belief. The right, highlight I, I, was I Brock pause really there. hitting Braun with a stiff shot. I want to pause you right there, okay? Here's what I came away with from those two title matches. I actually liked the Lesnar Kane Strowman match because no, you didn't. because my expectations were that were so low. Like my expectations were that I was going to fast forward through this and it was going to be awful. And what was it really? It was really it was a, awful. It was a wet, it was a spot heavy weapons match, but I thought it was actually really entertaining. You know the the match that I hated was the Styles KO and Zayn match, not because the action was awful. Wrestling wise, there was some good spots, there was some good mo- momentum. Storyline wise, that was atrocious because that match being booked only made sense if Daniel Bryan was being a heel GM. And what happened in the last two weeks before that match happened? Daniel Bryan kind of like disappeared from the from the. I'm choking here. I'm choking. Somebody sent me a ref. Daniel Bryan disappeared from the uh, the scenario basically and stopped being a heel GM. So the only way I thought they could have saved that match was by having KO and Sammy win, which they teased up, having the co-champion gimmick, maybe giving the belt back to Styles at Fastlane. That's fine. We didn't get any of that. We didn't even get Daniel Bryan during that match or after that match or anything to do with that match. I came out of that match going, I don't care if you like the moves during it. I'm giving that match like a C- minus because it went nowhere and it did nothing. I know there's a larger argument about SmackDown that we could and probably should have, but I don't. I really came out of there going, hey, Kane, you over-exceeded my expectations. You actually entertained me. Hey, Styles, you just annoyed me. Silver King, you were rolling your eyes while Campbell was talking about that SmackDown match. You disagree. You liked it. Yeah, I mean, are you – like, you have to make a decision if you're going to be upset with the match or the storyline. The match, the biggest thing that bothered me, and you guys know I've been railing against this. I said this on the pod, was that the WWE title, the greatest title in the history of professional wrestling, was opening a pay-per-view in a handicap match with the potential for – Coach champions outside of that, you know, storyline aspect of it. The match itself was very good. It exceeded expectations. The biggest problem on the entirety of the Royal Rumble was Shane McMahon and Daniel Bryan. The one time they were shown on the entire broadcast were best friends, buddy, buddy, you know, making fun of Stephanie McMahon and uh, and and Kurt Angle for Shinsuke Nakamura winning the Royal Rumble. So there was no storyline development whatsoever on this on the number one storyline on the SmackDown side throughout this entire seven-hour pay-per-view. It, it didn't make any sense. The Universal title match, I don't see how you can give it any credibility of being anything but just a train wreck. We knew how it was going to end the second they booked it. It went exactly as we expected, and it wasn't any good because they are they did they already exceeded it and did way better with Samoa Joe and Roman Reigns in the match. They basically lived up to their own expectations. They just entertained me, but you just made my point about why... We shouldn't praise that Styles match because... But that praising, doesn't make the match bad, Brian. But you're the storyline is terrible, but SmackDown sucks, and we're going to get to that today, I'm but sure. You're praising, but the match bad. You're praising some decent action that we see on Raw every week. And the oh, story is the match. In every situation, the story is the match. And I, I don't see how you can just kind of just look over. Well, I, 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 can I split the difference here? Um, Brian, you're wrong, because the match was good. Like, it was actually an entertaining match. Was it match. really, Nick? Or was it sort of like a stereotypic match, and it didn't make sense that they were in a handicap no, to begin with? No, here's what you're saying. A stereotypical match that involved three great workers. So, of course, the match was great. Yes, it, was like, it wasn't like it was like a five-star match, but 
I mean, you put Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, and AJ Styles in the ring, the match is going to be good. Why? Because they're good. So I disagree with you on that. And Silver King, I disagree with you on the point that you made about the storyline development, because the Rumble was not really the place for that. And you see that they have advanced that story on SmackDown. I think all they really needed from those two was that little interaction, the SmackDown-Raw interaction. So that I did not have a great deal of issue with, because there was so much other stuff that going on on that show, building towards Rousey. Um, obviously the men's Royal Rumble, that I didn't think that that storyline needed to take center stage. But, Bri, I do think you're a little off base on the rating for that match because I did think that that match was was very good. Let, let me interject something real quick. I understand, what I understand what your point is, Nick, but they have two brands. One's Raw, one's SmackDown. The biggest storyline on SmackDown is not a part of the second biggest pay-per-view of the year. Like, that's a problem. So I understand what you're saying. Like Nakamura winning was SmackDown's moment on the show because that's advancing their storyline to WrestleMania. But the current champion, AJ Styles, and the current main event feud with some weird storyline that they're still not, not resolving between Shane McMahon and Daniel Bryan on their second biggest show of the year, it doesn't need to be resolved, but it needs to take a step forward. Yes. Instead, it was ignored. All right, so, so I, but I think that, right, we keep... So this is WrestleMania season, right? So... Yeah. Fair to say that they have until when is WrestleMania? The first Sunday in April, right? So let's say they let's give them until the first Sunday in April before we conclusively determine it to be a failure. Well, let me because ju- that's what it's all about. Let me jump in there though, and this display because as long as they nail it by then, then it's all good. The, speak well. Speaking of, uh, did you say? And speaking of nailing Katie Vick, yeah. As long as they nail it, here's what I'll say though, and this ties into this week's episode of SmackDown, which was awful, which deserved the disrespect. The main event. Again, I went nowhere. Well, no, let, let me tell you this. The main event went nowhere in the storyline. What are we getting? A triple threat at Fastlane, which is kind of what we just had with the handicap match. But here's my yes, overall point. I'm going to give WWE credit because the end game looks good, but they have telegraphed the end game. And here's what I mean. The end game is Styles versus Nakamura. Love it. The end game is KO versus Sammy. Love it. But they have telegraphed that, and they literally had no plan on the in-between. It was sort well, of they like telegraph everything every year. Like, okay. I, like this, this stuff, this listen, stuff listen. drives me insane but with people. He... They telegraph everything every year. Like, what is so like, what is so difficult to understand? Here's about what's the fact difficult that to understand. They're not every building year. toward the end, Nick. That's what I'm. That's what's difficult to understand. How do you know? There's that? No you don't arc. know that. There's no arc. They removed Daniel Bryan from the 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 story in AJ versus KO and Sammy isn't AJ KO and Sammy. It's Daniel Bryan versus Shane, and they removed so that from the equation. The only thing they did well. Tuesday night was open by Shane talking to Daniel and basically saying you're living vicariously through these guys. That was the only good development we've seen. And then again, you're, you're, they go away not, from no, it. You're, no, you're, 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 no, you're wrong here because you go, oh, KO versus Sammy. I love it. AJ versus Nakamura. I love it. Guess what? That's what you're getting. Like they have to have placeholders to get you there, and no. you're gonna get you're gonna get a bomb ass triple threat match at Fastlane between KO, Styles, and Zayn that you two will probably complain about since you two complain about everything. And then you're gonna get Nakamura versus Styles at WrestleMania, and maybe you guys will complain about that too. Find a reason to bitch and moan about that match also. Good God, I mean, you guys have been watching wrestling your entire lives, and you're surprised by how this is playing out. Really? First of all, that's a ridiculous comment because I just put over their match and didn't complain about it. At Royal Rumble, so give Silver me Silver King, don't let the facts get in the way of a good story. <laughs> yes, they deserve to die, and I hope they burn in hell. Here's Brian's point that I'm not totally sure he's getting across that I do agree with, and you tell me, BC, if I'm right or not. It's not that we're impatient 
for the storyline to get developed. And like you said, Nick, if it's good the Sunday before, you know, of WrestleMania or the Sunday before WrestleMania, then we're ready to go and everything's fine. It's been like six weeks since this storyline has developed. Legitimately, six weeks. They gave us one segment Tuesday night on SmackDown after six weeks of it going absolutely nowhere. And the result of all of SmackDown on Tuesday night is the basically the exact same match we just saw at the Royal Rumble. And by the way, that's on March 11th. So, so we have another yeah. six weeks to wait until we get there. Nick, you know what it is? I am a prissy WWE fan. I want to be wined and dined. I know the end game. The end game is we're going to bang. I know that. But I want to be wined and dined properly. I want the you're, build. You're I want the ring, Nick. I want you to go to my father and ask him. I want the proper build. It might be fun, you know, to hit the guy a little bit. But we we, we got to bang him a little bit. I mean, you gotta, you, we're going to bang at the end, Nick. We know we're going to bang him. But I got to get there the right way. And there's no courting right now. That's sort Good of my Lord, problem. What do you want to happen? Like, like, there is still two months before WrestleMania. And you guys want them to just put it all out there now? Like, it's a no, slow I want to get nope, there. No, you're wrong. Because if you were booking, you if you two were booking the property right now, you would have to have WrestleMania at the end of February. Let me ask no. you this. Why it's do, a slow build. Let me ask you this. Why do slow builds in NXT not feel slow and slow builds in WWE feel like they take twice as long as they actually do? Because WWE has like five times no, the No, Nick, here's the answer. WWE didn't have an in-between plan. They had a great endgame. They literally didn't have an in-between plan. So that's the problem. We don't have to keep what going on it. The in-between plan is good. What are you talking about? What, what, what really? Like, Nick, has it been good? It's going to be good. And Fastlane is going to be good. True or false? Right, Elimination, but has true or false? Has Elimination it... Chamber is a raw pay-per-view. It will be good. Fastlane is not. Right. Here's how they fix F- it, though. Fastlane's going to be good because the main event's going to be awesome. Here's how they fix it. And this does remind me of the second half of the Orton versus Wyatt build to WrestleMania last year where it just fell off the rails. They can fix it with Daniel Bryan making an in-ring return, right? No, that's no, but it's not Orton Wyatt because all the principles involved are better than Orton and Wyatt. It's about it the story, Nick. Orton it it's is the no, story. It's, it's, it's always the story. The story and, is... And you think... Let me ask you something. You guys think that they're going to blow it with that story. If they blow it with the story, say that. I will be the first... Well, that's the intimation no, that's no, no. being made. Nick, we didn't say that. What we said is... You were intimating we're bored, brother. That's what we're saying. Wait, wait. What, so watch, what some, so watch something else. Because honestly, this is what they do every single... Find a year where they didn't do this. I mean, I just... Give me, give me a year where they, where, they don't, where they didn't do this. Where the February pay-per-views serve as veritable placeholders. No, Nick, no. They do build. For WrestleMania. You, Nick, give me an example. They give me build one every example. year, but you know what they're doing? Week to week on SmackDown, they're doing this. I'm not leaving till everybody gets No, that's the wrong button. They're what doing- is this? I just want to shut this stuff off. What button? What does this button do? Does this turn the TV off? That's what they're giving us every week. There's not a build. Anyway, look, we could spend a half hour yelling at each other over this. The whole point is SmackDown's dead. They're going to have a good end game. Okay. Okay. They're going to have. WrestleMania is going to be fine. They're going to have a good end game. I want to get into, though, the Rousey thing. Okay. The reveal was fine because I think you need to save her. Like Silver King said last week on the pod, you need to save her first appearance. For Mania. It's her first in-ring appearance, her first match, all of that. But you're hearing different rumors from different insiders right now, right? The Meltzers of the world are saying, we're building toward maybe like the Rock and Rock and Ronda type of thing against Triple H and Steph, or maybe Kurt Angle will be involved. Other people say, no, no, we're going in the direction of Charlotte versus Rousey. I think which direction they go in 
tells you how good right now Ronda is as an actual wrestler behind the scenes and how much confidence they have in her as an actual wrestler. And even though they will move more product and get more eyeballs with The Rock or with whatever direction they're going there with Triple H, don't you really want her to be a player in this division and have a match against a Charlotte or an Oscar or whatever? I gotta be honest. I like you guys. Sometimes you guys are dumb. Like, what, what, what are you talking about, right? Like, do you think that Vince McMahon sits there in Titan Tower and says, which would I rather have? A four-star Ronda Rousey-Asuka match or a match with Rousey and The Rock and Triple H and Stephanie that media outlets worldwide would cover? Of course, Which do you think Vince cares more about? And, and do you, like, like, are you really, like, sitting there? Thinking like, oh yeah, it makes more sense because I want to see a four star match because I want to see no, Rousey. No, it's work. not about four star no. match. I just want to see her as a full time player, which is the whole point of that announcement, right? But you're going to, right? But you're going to. She signed a full time deal. All right, so I'm so, not here to complain. I'm here to more spin it at you guys and say, where do we think this is going? She she did not show up on the first two Raws after Rumble, right? She's so, filming a movie. So where do you guys think it's going? How do you think they should get there? So for me. I see it going down like this. Uh, and I don't want to necessarily say what Dave Meltzer just reported in this week's edition of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, because that might be a little spoiler for some people. So I'm going to skip that. But I like the concept of Rousey being in a match with another big star, The Rock, Batista, someone, Kurt Angle, someone like that, against a Triple H and Stephanie McMahon tag team. And I like it for this reason. She just joined the organization. She's not even going to be on TV until what? March? So, so we're not going to, I don't want to see the end match with Ronda Rousey or the match that they need to build up for a year. And that match, the ultimate Ronda Rousey match is ending Oscar's undefeated streak because that is the big time show. And I know, I think it's Charlotte. I think it's Charlotte. And, and I know that Charlotte and it's, I know it's, Charlotte, it's, it's Charlotte. You're wrong about that. Like you can't make that statement. That's so wrong. I'm not, so I'm not wrong because Oscar's, you are, you are wrong because Charlotte's a bigger star than, than Oscar, regardless of the undefeated. Streak. You're talking star power versus storyline. Storyline. What do you think WWE cares more about, star power or storyline? I'm talking. You're asking what I want to see with with Ronda Rousey. I'm telling you what I want to see. I'm not concerned about their bottom line. No, you I'm, can you can say what you want to see, but you can't say that that's the ultimate. You can, that's your ultimate goal. That's not their ultimate. goal. In 12 months from now, if Oscar ends up being the W the WWE Women's Champion on SmackDown or Raw or whatever for 12 months, okay, and they built her up into to be what she was in NXT, an Oscar. Ronda Rousey match will draw massive. It won't draw the same as Charlotte Flair and Ronda Rousey. But the storyline of Asuka's undefeated streak, which would be running on like three years against Ronda Rousey, would be massive for fans. And ultimately, that's what I would like to see at WrestleMania 35. They're only doing that if Asuka moves to SmackDown because Ronda Rousey ain't going to be on SmackDown and they ain't keeping Rousey and Asuka apart for a year on Raw. That ain't happening. One one question That's the only way they can do it. Is I'm a little confused, and this does play into what we saw the last two weeks, on how easily WWE and Raw and Vince McMahon are giving Asuka top-level superstars that you would think would be better in in pay-per-view featured matches, right? Like Sasha, like Bailey, and, and, and actually Bliss in a non-title match a couple weeks ago, and letting Asuka have really good matches, but then ultimately dominantly defeat them. That's what's sort of like, are they fast-forwarding Asuka you know, are we going to come out of Mania and go right into Ronda versus Oscar? I mean, like, it's sort of like, what are they actually doing here? Uh, this is where it gets me it, a little it's bit. It's in the realm, yeah. 
It's within the realm of possibility. And here's the other point about WrestleMania as it concerns Rousey. Like, they have a built-in storyline to do something with Stephanie and Triple H. True. After the angle they did a couple years ago with The Rock and Rousey. So, I mean, there is, like, it's not like coming out of nowhere where they're like, oh, my God, like, now we got Stephanie. Like, they, they did this a couple years ago. Like, they teased this in advance, hoping and or knowing that eventually this would come down the pike. So, I have uh, I have no issue with it. I'm excited to see what they do with Rousey at WrestleMania. So um, I got I don't have a ton of time here. So Brian, save if you want to talk NXT. Um, I love the card takeover. You haven't given your take yet. Um, Almas Gargano was terrific. Um, I don't know if it was a five star match like our buddy Dave Meltzer gave it, but I thought it was really good. Um, Alistair Black and Adam Cole was really tremendous, and Velveteen Dream is my favorite wrestler. Um, you can you give us your take on takeover oh, yeah. in like 30 seconds here, and then we move on. Well, I don't think you can give 30 seconds, but it was so great. It was it was one of their best cards of all time. I don't know if I want to go forward and say it was their best card of all time, but when you have a send-home match like that, that is a real five-star match. And I, I will say this. I think it was a five-star match because it had the intensity of what made five-star matches in the 90s, right? It was a different kind of five-star match. It wasn't Okada Omega, right? It was a like Bret Hart. Steve Austin was five stars so much because of the intensity and the storyline. This had that type of intensity because Gargano can sell so good as a babyface and get a crowd to want to believe in his story that badly, right? And then when you have the elements in play, like a Zelina Vega, who can take things and raise them so high, when she can do Hurricane Rana's believably, right? Like when she can do things like that. This was a perfect match. I love that it that it is getting the five-star recognition because it's an old-school five-star match. And to send the people home with that kind of match, Adam and I had this discussion sort of offline saying, like, when it's this good, NXT might be the best brand in the world. And the common denominator, which is not a new theory on this show, is that Triple H is booking this. And it's so damn good. And you heard in my most recent interview with him on this podcast where I basically tried to push this narrative to him as saying is, why can't we have this type of booking on the main roster? And I would just like, when that XFL announcement happened, Nick, and Adam and I covered this last week, but I was on pins and needles. In fact, I asked Vince the question, like a lot of people, like a lot of the smarks going, does this mean Triple H is getting the book? Are you really stepping away? We know it's not going to happen. But, by the way, what a, what a job by the Brian Campbell stepping up to the plate and hitting, giving, throwing a 99-mile-an-hour fastball to Vince McMahon. Love it. Oh, well, come on. There's something called conference call, call balls. I've had it a few times against Dana White. I've had him basically swear me out. There's just something about being on that conference call and not having to face people and getting to be a chicken heel and just bringing it at him, right? Did I just swear on the air? Hey, let's move on. Uh, so basically what I'm saying is this. NXT, when it's at its best, man, does it rival the best of what NJPW can do. And... How good would wrestling be if Trips was running the show, Nick? Like, okay. really, right. Nick? Right. Come so, on. All right, so... so You say I complain um, all the time. I, 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 I'm I, I, tripping. I don't have time to get into 205 Live, but, I mean, apparently Triple H has been booking and it's been better. So you guys can save that if you'd like for, for, when, for when I'm off. I will say this. The difference between NXT and WWE is the, is the, is the crowd. The NXT crowd is more of a hardcore, smarky crowd. They pop for everything. The main roster crowd does not necessarily care if a guy can do a nice Hurricane Rana, et cetera, right? So it's a different deal. I I don't necessarily disagree that maybe it would be better if Triple H booked things, but that's a huge thing that people need to take into account that they don't take into account is that the crowd is significantly exponentially But do you want to know why? Do you want to know why they're better? Because Triple H is is doing old-style territory booking, so he has trained the crowd to believe in the story above the competitors. 
He has it's a Nick. crowd that wants to do it. It's a crowd that wants to. The main roster crowd wants to buy T-shirts for their kids, and they want to see John Cena. I'm sorry, they really do. So I know you're saying you're trying to say, well, it's a Hurricane Ron thing. It's not. It's a story thing. That was my argument for the AJ Styles match not being good at Rumble. It's a story thing. They get you to believe. Yes, this, the Full Sail crowd was revolutionary, and they changed things. But there's a reason why they changed things. That's all I'm saying. All involved storyline and match. And I said it on the, the pod, you know, the recap that we did la- that I did last week. I'm going to say it again. It was the greatest match in NXT history. And honestly, all in, it was one of the best storyline matches all in that I've seen in WWE that I can remember. I'm not saying it's the best, but it's top 10 up there for me. It was really, really good. I'm, I'm not taking anything away from the match. It was terrific. I think that's a little bit of hyperbole, but well, everyone, welcome to their own opinion. Obviously, it's very subjective. I disagree. I thought it was a great match. Um, I it, how about this? I like the Royal Rumble better than I like Takeover. So that's that's just and me. that's, that's no problem with that because Royal Rumble. Yeah. That's fair. Royal Rumble was great. And by the way, I like that Adam was unknowingly making some revolution type comments by talking about all in. I'm all in. Are you all in, Brian? Yeah, yes, Brandy. I'm all in. And Nick, speaking of all in, before we lose you here. Because you're closer to my side of the fence on the revolution than good old Adam, we can't exit without at least teasing the bag of what happened at the NJPW show in Sapporo, the weekend of Rumble, and the Cody and Kenny breakup. Now they will have their first match. Kenny kicked out of the Bullet Club, right? Gets saved by a running in Kota Ibushi. They reunite the Golden Lovers tag team. That moment of them hugging each other with the stuff coming down from the rafters, all the feels, Nick, all the feels, right? 24 ounces of underjuice with the plastic bottle, unscrewed and just poured over your face like Kurt Angle at the Hall of Fame. And now they're going to have a match opposite NXT TakeOver Mania on that Saturday night. And for anybody going to New Orleans, it does put them in a precarious spot of which match you want to see. There's no no cure. There's no spot. I agree. NXT is easy. I I, I, I would go to the Ring of Honor show to watch Omega Live. So would I, because this match and this story is is the best thing going. It's this is so. Omega is the best thing. Like Omega, I have never seen Omega Live. I I've been to an NXT show. I want to see Kenny Omega Live. So for me, it's not even a question. I would rather go see Omega. I'll watch I'll watch Almas, Aleister Black, and Gargano Ciampa. Not even wouldn't even think twice about it. Wow. Wow, well, I think well, well, you know, I, and you know what? That's fair. And and uh, Brian, like you said at the top, like this is it's a great time to be a wrestling fan. There's no, a lot no, of good stuff for sure, there right for sure. And you know what's funny? I got a lot of people Nick coming at me post Rumble. And by the way, the Rumble was great. The week that followed the Rumble was great. And people going, "Hey Campbell, how's your Revolution right now?" Right? And I gotta just remind you of this. Every time we talk about this Revolution, what do I throw in as my sort of mission statement? I say my goal is not to see WWE go down, but to see WWE be better. And guess what? We keep seeing every time NJPW gets better, Nick. We see WWE sort of counter program and get better. I know you can argue and say no, Campbell. It has more to do with TV ratings and Vince launching the XFL and stock prices and WrestleMania season. Fine, believe that if don't, you want. Don't forget TV contracts. But for the pa- that's what I said. Sorry, but for the past twelve months, every time NJPW does something really big, WWE gets better. So yes, the revolution is real. It's televised partially if you go on a grainy internet stream, but it's coming for you. And Cody Kenny Nick is a big part of this. This feud is Mega Powers ask explode. I'm I'm fired up. Come on, how they handled that? I'm fired I'm to- up. I'm totally into it. My my one issue with it. I don't, I'm not a huge Jay White fan. Like, I no. understand, like, I, and I didn't, you know, 
I didn't love the fact that Naito put over Okada in the main event of Wrestle Kingdom. I would have liked to have seen Naito win, and the crowd was really behind him. I didn't love that. I didn't love the decision to take the belt off Omega, the U.S. title. You're trying to build that up. Omega's clearly the guy to do it. And I didn't. I certainly didn't like Jay White being the guy to go over him because I'm just not a big Jay White fan. But um, other than that, I mean, the story's really good. And I think that, and honestly, like, so I, I've sort of vacillated back and forth. Not vacillated. I've been wrong, quite honestly, with some of the stuff that I've said. So not vacillated. I've been wrong in terms of when Omega's going to come to WWE. So it feels to me. So I'll take another shot here. And I'm like over three <laughs> so far on the Omega stuff. It feels to me now, and I'll probably go over four, another swing and a miss golden sombrero here, that Omega wants to do the storyline with Kota Ibushi before he leaves Japan and goes to WWE. So it is my well, hope that on. this year, next time. He wants yeah, listen, to do I've been wrong like eight thing, times Nick. before, so I understand. He wants to do one other thing, and that's finish what he started in NJPW. And to finish what he started, storyline-wise, he's got to climb the mountain and win the big title, right, from Okada. But here's, and here's, here's, number the, here's two, the problem with that. You're right, you're right. But here's the problem. That's like another two years, though. Another year, I would say. No, they, no, they, no, they just took the U.S. Win belt. The belt. And then he's got to lose the belt. But he just lost the U.S. belt, which I don't like Jay White winning. I don't think Jay White's ready for prime time. I ripped him at Wrestle Kingdom. I don't think he's that great. I like his character look. I don't like much after that. Uh, him, Kenny, losing the belt does. I don't even him. like the look. Like, what's the look like? He hasn't showered in two weeks. That's the look. It's not a, it's not a <laughs> true. Look. But Kenny winning, losing the belt. In the fact that now he's not going to do a feud against Ibushi, right? They're going to team up. It does free him up to start the beginning of that run to the big belt. And number two. Okay, so when, when does that happen then? So when do you anticipate that happening? I mean, They'd have to do it at Wrestle Kingdom. It's probably actually, a build right? toward Wrestle event. Kingdom. Yeah, it's a year-long and build. Then, but then Omega has to drop the belt at some point, And he's going to have at least, what, a six-month reign. They're not going to here's pop more, shot it off of him. Here's what's going to decide when he goes to WWE, Nick how big the revolution gets because he believes in NJPW making a bigger imprint in North America than, than, you know, than Adam thinks that can happen. You know, like he believes that it could go, he could do that. He wants to be the face. He wants to be the reason he gets it. Nick, he knows he's the heart and soul of the revolution and of this being a thing. I think once he realizes that he's taken it as far as he can go with it, then he goes to WWE. It's no different than AJ Styles in a lot of ways. Where, where do you think Kenny Omega ranks in terms of overall stars in NJPW right now? It, it, but that, that's a difficult question. Like, in terms in Japan? Or in, Japan like, in Japan. In Japan. I, I don't know enough about, about third, third or fourth. the answer to that. Third or fourth. I, I think well, look, look. Probably, probably third, right? Behind, uh, behind Okada and Naito. Right, they, okay, so, here's, so here's my point. And I said this after NJPW, after Wrestle Kingdom. They're building Okada into Hulk Hogan. It's yes. obvious. It's never been more obvious until he defended against Naito. So if that's what they're doing, is he really going to drop the title to Kenny Omega? Are they really going to put the title on Kenny Omega? I don't think it's going to happen. Well, it may, How, it may if come down to— If you're not going to put it on your biggest guy at your biggest show at the climax of a, two, uh, what, four-year, three-year storyline with Naito, why are you going to give it to Kenny Omega, who's in a, in, involved in a feud with Cody right now and teaming with Abushi? I'll tell you. If, if they'll win the tag no, but, no, but, you Adam, but, keep but you say that dismissively. Like, it's a big deal. If you want to keep him, that's the thing. It'll come down for Gato. Gato. Correct. It'll come yeah, down. He's going to bend Gato over the table. Right. He's gonna, It'll he's, come Gato's down. Give him the belt. Do you want to keep Kenny or do you want him to go to WWE? If they want to keep him and if they realize how valuable he is, not in Japan, right? Because you're right. Naito and Okada, much bigger stars. And Tanahashi, much bigger stars. But worldwide, Kenny's the face. If they believe that he's going to take them to the promised land, they will give him that belt at Wrestle Kingdom next yeah. year. You know this, man. NJ, but NJPW does not seem to care about America as much as we care about NJPW True. in America. They don't pick big enough. 
book big enough facilities. They don't charge well, not enough, yet. They not don't charge yet. enough for their tickets, and they don't make booking decisions that matter. So they have given zero indication that they actually care about the United States outside of throwing us a couple bones here and there and the U.S. title. Outside a couple that, bones here and there. It's been one year, and Omega main evented the show in a U.S. title tournament. What are you talking about? They did it once, and it was America. awesome. In America, and and they sold five thousand tickets, and they won't go to a bigger arena despite selling out in twenty four hours. Well, let's. Well, okay. How about this? If one year from now they do the same thing, I will say Silver King, you were right. So now, like now that they sold out in such a quick period of time, now let's see what happens next time. And right. I will be the first one to say you were right and I was wrong if indeed that happens. Before you leave, Nick, next step in the revolution is obviously that March show in Long Beach, California, NJPW. Some talk it could be Jericho and Naito in the main event. That would be a big deal to move that forward. I just still think, Nick, for this revolution to be a real revolution in some of the, in some of the ways you think I'm saying it, we need a weekly program with storylines. Whether that's on the website, whether that's on a cable channel we all actually have, I hope they take that step, Nick. Right. And, you, and you know have. what I would like to happen, Brian? I would like to come home from work tonight and have Jennifer Lopez be sitting on my couch in <laughs> lingerie. Okay, okay. That's what I would like. Uh, so, and, and, and anyone else got Jennifer something Lopez to Anyone else got something that's not going to happen that they would like Nick, to have? That like, ultimate Brian, thrill Brian ride. Campbell wants soap opera style storylines from New Japan Pro Wrestling. And I would like Jennifer Lopez to be waiting in my apartment. Anyone else got anything outside the realm of possibility? Hey, give Jennifer me the green Lopez light. 2018 is your choice. That I mean, geez. I'm, I'm a huge, a huge J-Lo fan. Shout out, shout out to A-Rod. Um, so I got one thing on this to wrap this up. And then I got two other quick things that I want to hit. And I really got to get at it. So gotta be, I got to be quick with these things. The first is, it's going to be fascinating that night before WrestleMania to see what does better and see which receives more critical acclaim NXT or the ring of honor show, because I guarantee you guarantee. And this is not like a, like a groundbreaking guarantee. Everyone knows this triple H is going to go balls to the wall to make sure that NXT is better than the Omega Cody show that they are headlining. So let's see how they do. Let's see what the fans are more excited for. Let's see which does the bigger life gate. And let's see which does the better critical acclaim. And that's going to be almost a more fascinating plot than WrestleMania itself is what happens the night before as it concerns Brian Campbell's revolution. Right. Let's not forget so, uh, Triple H counter promoted that ROH show, you know, around what was it around Survivor Series by putting Shawn Michaels in the. It, it was a how they put a house show with Shawn Michaels as the guest referee, like they're in the same city. Right. So, two other things um, that I really have to get out. Number, number one. Um, the SmackDown top 10 list, I think, might be the stupidest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and, 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 and the worst part about it is how they do it. Yes. Daniel Bryan stands up there and goes, number 10, number nine. <laughs> it, it went on for way too long. It's so dumb. It's so contrived. I hope that I eat my words and it ends up actually being something decent. But I can't imagine, like, Randy Orton like coming out to the ring and being like, you only voted me number nine, so here's an RKO. Who cares? It, 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 they didn't theory, even explain it. They don't. We don't even know what it actually means. And KO well, and Sammy weren't even on it. Trying to do something with it, but but they could build that into the story that everyone hates KO and Sammy, so no one votes for them. It's a popularity who contest. Cares? But until it, but until it actually has some sort of impact on like who gets a title shot, then it's meaningless. So I think that they're going to end up screwing it up. I hope that I'm wrong, and I'll I'll give them the benefit of the doubt on it. So I think that's really bad. And the way that they executed it the first week was, was dreadful with Daniel Bryan going up there and number nine, it, it was, it was awful. And the last thing that I've got, I actually kind of like the new graphics that they've got for raw. Now that we're in the post raw 25, I like the new graphics and I like the cell phone style interviews that they've been doing. No. Harkening back. It's basically is an updated 
what they used to do, obviously, in like the late 80s, early 90s. So I kind of really dig it. I think it's a nice a nice change Nick, here. If they can do more shoot style in those selfie promos, it would be good. If they can't, it's just bad production. Shoot style. On Monday Night Raw, you want them to go out and do... Like, again, like, like this is what's, like, infuriates me about wrestling fans. You want things that can't... What What are you talking... Can you explain no, what... No, you're here's doing? why you're wrong. No, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interrupt. Here's why you're wrong. Because they're taped. So they can shoot them and then approve them, and it's fine. They're reading scripts. Roman Reigns, when he did his selfie promo, you could literally see his eyes moving back and forth. The guy was reading a cue card. The Who reason- would look at that besides for you? No one's looking no, at it. Was no, obvious, one, obvious. No, was- one, no, no, no one, I guarantee, Is you fi- work in the industry, I guarantee you that no one was sitting there at home thinking, oh my God, he's reading off cue cards. Or a no face- one thought that. His face was six inches from the screen. It was obvious he was doing it. The reason why the selfie promos that BC and I like that we talked about on the show while you were gone on Twitter were awesome for Mojo Raleigh and the Miz. So the reason I loved it is because those were shoot style and it was fantastic. But to have these guys read scripted promos like their shoots is even worse. So I don't like our guests at this time. And, you know, with Renee Young backstage, I like her. That's old. And and I like what they're doing now, Nick. I totally agree with you. But BC is 100% right. Have them do it off the cuff. They're taped anyway, so you can have them redo it if you don't like it. What's the problem? Okay, okay, okay. So let's talk about what happens if they do that. So let's say, just for argument's sake, that The Miz does a one of these promos and it's taped, and he goes off the cuff, and they don't like what he said. What do you think they're going to do? Have him redo it. What do and, I then think he, and, then, and, then, and then he does it again, and they still don't like what he did. What are they going to make him do? They'll probably have to write it down. And, and then what are we going to get on the show? The but, exact same thing as what you're getting now. But at least give them the opportunity. For what? Like, it's going to be the same end result of the opportunity to let them to do it four times instead of one? Like, what are you talking about? It's At some point, you have to talk about, Emma, how is the is the entertainment level the best it possibly can be? Scripted promos, it's not the best it possibly can be. These guys have proven multiple people in WWE. The Miz and Mojo Rawley are just two of them have proven that they can shoot a promo and put it on Twitter and WWE approves those as well. And they're great. There's no reason for those not to be on TV period. Nick, I think there's a big difference between the Miz saying on Twitter that I'm going to knock your effing teeth out to Baron Corbett and then bleeping it out and him saying it on Monday night raw, which is a PG show. Just me just spitballing here. But I mean, I think that there's a clear difference that you two were missing. All right, that's fine, Nick. What do you think of the flashing words on the screen before we go that SmackDown's doing? Now, look, the one with the Rockstar is them trolling us. That absolutely stunk. But I have to say, I personally don't hate this. Now, the jail cell thing was a little lame, but I don't hate this because I want SmackDown to look and feel different like it did at the end of 2016, and then it went back to just being Raw's B-Show. I feel like this is at least going in the future. It's at least something different. I don't hate this as much. Um, yeah, I think the jury's out. I thought it was pretty funny when Aiden English was singing and they had the little Rusev head going on the, the lyrics as he was doing it. So I didn't mind that. Jury's out on that. Um, I got one other quick thing that I want to hit and then I got to go. Um, and I'm just going to say it. Um, I thought the Usos were fantastic on Tuesday. I thought that they have full command of the audience. The audience tried to hit them morons with the what chance, and they completely shut it down because they were so great. And I'm kind of into an Usos Bludgeon Brothers feud, and I think they clearly teased that with um, the Usos walking out, the Bludgeon Brothers staring them down and walking away. So I'm into that. And with that, um, well-dressed Nick must depart. Um, but guys, as always, uh, fantastic. Um, and yeah, that's it. So Hold on, wait, right, Nick. I, the, the people should at least know, like, 
especially the, the female listeners, how they can find you. You can find him on uh, Instagram and Twitter and slide into those DMs, ladies. Oh, man. Yes, yes. At, at the Costos on both Twitter and Instagram. Honestly, you can follow me on Twitter, but if you're a female, follow me on Instagram. Slide in the DMs. Um, great, because I'm well-dressed and very handsome. Thank and you. And he's out, folks. Handsome Nick Costos. Adam, there is a natural transition there with the Usos, and you've been a big fan of their – Revival. Wait, wait, so, 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 wait, so real quick, so let's do the fourth wall here. Does, am, I, am I hanging up and you guys are just going to continue? <laughs> yes, just hit the How's that yeah. for smoothness, right? All right. right? <laughs> Man, it's smoothness. But yeah, we, we broke the fourth wall. Hey, Colt Cabana. Talk to you guys later. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly, Adam, Nick is right about the Usos, and both of us have been big fans of their transformation into this, you know, sort of more street-tough characters and the way they do it. And what I liked about the promo this week was how they kind of touched on that. Like, they actually referenced the, you know, let's play in the paint era of them with the, with the face paint and all that. And it's, their transformation has been great. You're going to the point where you actually think they're the best promo in the industry, and I want you to sort of defend that. They're the best promo in the industry because they're – see, like, we, I just talked about shoot promos. Those are shoot promos. Like, they may have an outline, and this is what WWE used to do in the Attitude Era. They may have an outline of things that WWE wants them to hit, but that's them. Those are their promos. They're putting that together. It's their style. It's unique. No one does anything like it. And when I said on Twitter that they're the best thing going on SmackDown and maybe one, maybe the best thing that WWE's done in 27 slash 2018, I don't just mean that from a promo perspective. I mean that in ring. What they said in that promo Tuesday night was accurate. They went from not a joke because I always liked them and, and Samoan teams and Samoan wrestlers, at least for me, I always have a soft spot just historically. Um, but they went from another, you know, corny bubblegum PG era tag team to legitimately the most dominant tag team in WWE. One of my favorite tag teams in history already and a team and a group that every single time they get on the mic, I know it's going to be good. I'm not concerned. The only thing I need to add to that, because I'm not going to let this slide. I refuse. The jail cell thing was not bad. It was awful. It was terrible. <laughs> it was a joke. The graphics the Aiden English thing, and with Rusev, that's different. That's song lyrics. I'm okay with that. The Shinsuke Nakamura Rockstar thing was abhorrent, is the best word I can think of for that. It was it was terrible. And the words with black backgrounds that they're showing during what are supposed to be unscripted promos that we definitely know are scripted, because they have to do the graphics behind them, it's a joke. Hey, it's like a they took it from, they originally had that mixed mix match challenge, and I gave them a break because they were trying to do something different with that show, which I happen to like. But for them to just throw that onto SmackDown, I mean, it's terrible. Yeah, it, I mean, it's it's really really bad. And BC, I'm I'm gonna keep going on about this because I have to say one more thing. I wanted to see if I was the only one that thought that way. Okay, I was like, am I really the only one that that that's this upset? And I went onto WWE's Twitter account and I looked at the responses when they you know they tape some of the segments and they put them up on Twitter. The responses are almost unanimously get this off my television. It's terrible. What, what what's with these cartoon graphics? So I know I'm not alone. Thank you. That's it. I, I do agree that it belongs better on the Mixed Max Challenge. No question. And that's sort of a somewhat light fail that they didn't make that broadcast look entirely different. I still support, though, that if they're going to do it on SmackDown, then commit to it and go back to being different. Remember in 2016, they had alternate camera angles. They just had a different feel. They went to smaller arenas, mostly due to how they felt they could sell. But still, you know, it just was different. Uh, just to close on the Usos, uh, everything was great. They are really, obviously, the... Right now, they're the best thing going on SmackDown. In some cases, the only thing going. Their feud with the New Day last year was arguably the feud of the year in all WWE. 
And some of it is, look at the shape they got in. They were always, for high flyers, a little bit heavy. Now they're taking their shirts off, and it's not all about having abs. But you see guys like Jinder Mahal, like Miz in 2016. When they show that type of dedication to commitment and to fitness, WWE typically rewards them, not just because Vince McMahon's a body guy. And hell yeah, Vince McMahon is a body guy. But because it shows that they're going all in. They're not complacent anymore. More people need to stand up and do what Dolph Ziggler did, publicly complain and not be complacent. You could say, look where it got him. Great point. But I'm just saying it got him a title. You get more opportunities. Well, Cody just said on Twitter, and I give him credit for being honest about it, that Vince appreciates, and they did it with Jinder Mahal too. So we know this is a trend. Vince appreciates when you get into good shape and you work on yourself, not just as a character, but promo-wise, and put the entire package together. He does recognize and promote that. Now, we can get upset about Dolph Ziggler not getting a push, and I, I do feel this is a natural transition for us to get into because there's a lot that we need to talk about with Raw that's going on, but we kind of need to like tie a bow on SmackDown. But long story short, Vince will give you an opportunity if you help create one for yourself. And it seems like they're doing that on SmackDown. It's just not always working. And that does bring us to Dolph Ziggler, BC. I was excited to see him. You know, you you and Nick talked about it earlier. I was excited to see him at number 30. I didn't think he was going to win the Royal Rumble. But I liked that they were giving him that type of spotlight. I thought he'd be in there until the end and that Nakamura might eliminate him. And I I was just excited to see what they were going to do with him. Yeah, it was a catch-22 in a way because putting him at 30 and just using him as a tease does waste the storyline of what they had and to a certain degree. But at the same time, I liked that the tease was there. I liked that you thought, oh, maybe this is the thing. And then, you know, sometimes giving you the tease and not going forth with it is part of the whole package and making it exciting. I just love that he didn't come out, which was, it seems to be part of the original plans per Meltzer, was that he was going to be on that undercard show in a title shot against Bobby Roode. I mean, that would have been a disaster. Nobody would cared. I don't know where they're going next. Hopefully it's upward. It has to be upward the way they've built this, or it's going to be a big fail. But look, they take a chance to tease you in the end. You know, you can't no, be too mad. Doesn't, but is it going to be upward? Like, let's look at what's actually happening with this guy. And I don't want to spend too much time on it. They brought him in at 30. He went out in like four minutes. So the, the, the surprise and the whatever. Then they didn't even sell it the next two weeks on SmackDown. They could have said, you know, Daniel Bryan and Shane, very simply. Dolph said he'd only come back if, he, if we treated him like a star and gave him thir- the 30 spot. They didn't even do that. He's gone for two weeks, and now they're advertising him coming back next week against another heel in Baron Corbin. What is this? Here's what they have to do. they got to obviously get the belt off Bobby Roode. They have to put Ziggler in a big-time position where he's fulfilled and it makes sense. He's not going to be in the big title picture because that's AJ versus Nakamura. So you got to get the U.S. belt off of Bobby Roode and remove him from the situation, and you got to put the belt, Adam, on Rusev, who is so deserving and popping, and I think have a Rusev-Ziggler feud. I think that's going to bring out the best of Dolph. He'll be the heel, have Rusev changed to, to face because he's getting face cheers. I think that's the best case scenario on SmackDown for Ziggler. You could say that's really still not a big deal. The U.S. title like run, it's not that big a deal. If he's not getting that, though, he might as well walk out. Like No question about it, he might as well just quit. But why are you, but why are you putting him back in a, in a U.S. title feud if he just dro- if he won and dropped the belt? Like It just doesn't make sense, well, no, and maybe doesn't. they have a bigger plan, and Fine, I'll, maybe I'll relax and like see how it plays out, but it legitimately doesn't make any sense why they would do that. I think what they really need to do, BC, and this is countered like everything you and I normally believe in, is when they have the superstar shakeup, they need to put Dolph Ziggler on Raw, and they need to give him a legitimate push the way they have The Miz in a very similar vein, and I think it would work extremely well. But we've been, you know, quote-unquote, complaining a lot because we have talked way too much SmackDown that I kind of 
told our listeners that we wouldn't do, or I was hoping we wouldn't do. Let's get into some good stuff, right? Let's talk about this men's elimination chamber coming out of Raw. Right now, so obviously there's six men in the match. It's for the number one contendership. Brock Lesnar, of course, taking another six weeks off television. You know how I feel about that. But this match has Reigns, Cena, Strowman, and Elias in it so far. Elias won a triple threat match to enter the elimination chamber last. And there's a second chance match coming up Monday night on Raw. Finn Balor, Matt Hardy, Bray Wyatt, and Apollo Crews. How do you think that this has been built so far? And have they done enough to get you excited or even have you potentially believe that Roman Reigns is not just going to win this? No, Roman Reigns is going to win it. So it's an uphill battle in that regard, but I don't think they've done badly. I like Raw matches. Uh, here's you know, you know my debate on Raw. It's sort of a gray area, right? I don't want meaningless really good matches because it, it waters down the product and then it makes the pay-per-view matches don't care. Sometimes I don't like title matches on Raw, again, because they should be on the pay-per-view unless it's a special situation. I like matches that have meaning, though. Tournament matches like this or play-in matches do. You suspend your belief and go, okay, this match actually really matters. It gets you toward a title shot. I like the way they've handled that. The, what they're up against is that we know Reigns is going to win. There's no other way. Reigns is going to win this. So it's about how they spin off feuds in the chamber toward the future. And I think Elias and Cena has been handled great. And I know those Cena Undertaker rumors still persist. And I really, really, really hope WWE doesn't go forward. I mean, really, Elias Cena is the perfect mania feud because it's rare that, like, I'm, okay, it's not rare that C this version of Cena is being used to put younger guys over. That's not rare. He's doing his job as a veteran who's been through it all already. But it's sometimes rare that a guy gets a chance so early, right? Elias is pretty early. We really don't know how great he can be. Can he be a titleist? Can he be a guy that carries the show week to week, not just carries a really fun five to eight minute segment? So this actually feels like a fresh Mania match, right? Let's see how good Elias really can be. Does WWE have the balls to actually put him over Cena? If this ends, though, with a spinoff into Cena Undertaker, I'm not going to be happy about it. So it's all about how they build the under matches, how they spin off and set up those Mania feuds. Right now, they're in a good spot. One minor critique, though, Adam. Tell me if I'm going too far with this. I want the Rumble victory to mean a lot. Because in theory, outside of the surprise returns, the hook on the Rumble is an NCAA tournament feel that anybody can get hot and make a run at the title, even if they're not deserving. It's the same reason why we pop when Butler and Brad Stevens make it to the final game against Duke, right? It's the idea that my favorite wrestler is Zack Ryder or Dolph Ziggler or whatever. And you know what? WWE might just roll the dice and let them win it and let them get into some triple threat for the title at Mania, and holy crap, I'm going to be fired up. Obviously, it rarely plays out that way where a Cinderella wins it, but that's part of the appeal and the hook. So when somebody does win that and does secure the title opportunity from that, I want that to be big. I want it to almost be like Money in the Bank where we celebrate it, but instead, they kind of give too many opportunities to get into a big title match after that. Like, Nia Jax did not win the Women's Royal Rumble, as an example. And she's going to have a match against Asuka, right? To have a chance to win well, and play let's, into... Let's, the... let's save the women's part for next. But my, it's point a different on, match. my point on that, though, is that she's getting the same opportunity that somebody who won the who went in there against the Rumble, but it's easier. I'm not saying beating Asuka is easier, but beating one person is a lot easier than beating 29 people and making this miraculous run and getting luck and winning the Rumble in kayfabe, in kayfabe, right? And I just don't right. want 
too many guys to get an opportunity. I get what the Elimination Chamber is. It's a chance to course correct your champion, you know, your, your championship line. But I'm just saying, let's slow a little bit down on how easy it is to basically just get exactly what Shinsuke Nakamura just won. Yeah, well, I, so I want to take the women's part separate because I think that's a whole separate conversation on what they're doing with the women on Monday Night Raw right now. And I say that, folks, in a positive way. Like, I'm really excited about what they're doing. I do want to correct one thing. Uh, Miss is also in this Elimination Chamber match, and it's my fault for completely uh, leaving him out of that initial statement. So I think what we need to talk about is the differential between the men's and the women's match, where you have the men's match for a number one contendership, the women's match for the title itself, and obviously Alexa Bliss discussed that on Monday Night Raw. But when you get to the men's match, I had a little bit more of a problem with the way they're booking the match itself. I didn't love to see Finn Balor last so long, get such a great rub at the Royal Rumble to come back and lose clean to John Cena on Monday Night Raw. I don't exactly know why WWE had to have that particular match and have Cena enter the Rumble that way when he could have gone over Matt Hardy or Bray Wyatt or Apollo Crews. And on that note, I don't necessarily know why The Miz has to be in this match when the guy hasn't defended the IC title in a couple months. I mean, granted, he just won it with Reigns, but we haven't seen Miz against anyone else except Roman Reigns. you know why, Adam. You know why. In a couple of months. No, when when you want to talk about Cinderella's and stuff, and look, I'm I'm not trying to, like, be a mark for Apollo Crews or anything like that, but if you had Apollo Crews beat The Miz, that would have been pretty cool and unique to have him in the Elimination Chamber. And then you could have Apollo Crews get an IC title match, deservedly so, with The Miz coming out of it, lose, and then you move on with both guys. So it's almost, they've almost booked it, it's almost been too obvious the way yeah. they've had this happen. Like, like with Cena and, and, and Balor, we're watching it on Monday night, and I was exci- and everyone on Twitter was buzzing. It was a great match, so good for both of them. The, the match ended, I tweeted, of course, and just the words, quote-unquote, of course, or obviously, I forgot what I said, I got like, a ton of favorites and, and like and retweets. I didn't have to say what it was. Every single person watching Raw felt the exact same way. You knew that John Cena was going to beat Finn Balor. So it's the booking of it. That's my only problem, like how these guys all got in there. But I'll be honest, this match, it's pretty great. Like for a number one contendership match where the winner's going to go on to face Brock Lesnar, the right people seem to be in it. And obviously Elias is in that Samoa Joe role because Samoa Joe is injured and not available for WWE. And you right. touched on it. There's been some predictability because it's going to be that way when the top of it, you know who's going to win already for the most part. There's, right. So there's going to bleed down. I think Miz has to be in it because, you know, the rumors that could be in a Braun program heading into Mania. So it makes sense to spin that off. That makes a lot of sense. The, thi- the Finn thing is interesting because, look, it obviously gets us all mad and going, oh, they bury him once again because he's our new Bray Wyatt. He's our new guy that it's like, why the heck are they burying him? It leads you to believe, though, that they don't have something great for him for Mania season, but that they did promise him a top title run after Mania. So it gives you that assumption that could he, you know, could he be in a feud against a Reigns, a Lesnar, or a Miz after Mania? Maybe that's the consolation prize. Look, weird things happen. Samoa Joe came back to Raw last year in January and made a, sorry, made his Raw debut last year in January or February and made a monster statement as Triple H's henchman was right involved in the biggest feud going with Triple H versus Rollins, or, you know, second biggest feud going on Raw. 
and then didn't have a spot at Mania, and they never explained it, right? They do weird things like that. It, obviously, it shouldn't be this way. Finn Balor shouldn't have to lose to people, but something kept happening in that Finn Balor match with Cena, Adam, which might be a, a necessary spinoff here. There, there, there was a constant tease of, like, I'm only beating... Hey, hey fans, I know you're booing me because you boo me, but I'm only beating up your guy in kayfabe, Finn Balor, a guy who I should be kind of friendly with because we're both babyfaces, because of, let me point to that sign, WrestleMania, and that's sort of here what I'm supposed to do. But for some reason, I feel bad about it. I didn't really understand what they're planting with that, but it seemed to feel important and maybe should give us pause on the why are they killing Balor? Because, look, they shouldn't kill Balor. It's 50-50 booking. You know, it's like Daniel Bryan type booking. Like, I just hate it. But what's with that Cena thing? What is what is with that? What's with that? It's 25-75 booking. It's not even 50-50. But, um... <laughs> So, like, I, like it's it's just ridiculous. Um, what's happening with that? What's happening with Seth Rollins hitting Finn Balor with the blackout, and then the camera lingering on him for five minutes, and then never going back to that? Now Rollins has seemingly nothing for WrestleMania with Jason Jordan, you know, injured and just had neck surgery. Finn Balor has nothing for WrestleMania. Samoa Joe is potentially out of WrestleMania, injured. There's just a lot of loose ends going down on Raw storyline. Uh, injury and otherwise in the men's division. But what's crazy, BC, is through all of that, Raw has been great. Yes. Like the last two weeks of Monday Night Raw, it following the Royal Rumble, leading into the Royal Rumble, not so great. Immediately after the Royal Rumble, they are in full bore mode right now. And for me, I did the Raw recap this week. You were still recovering from the cruise. But on CBSSports.com, I led that recap by noting the women were featured in, I think, five segments over a three-hour broadcast. And normally, let's be honest, it's one, maybe two. But the way they've booked the women on Raw says to me, they're not going to main event WrestleMania, but WWE is making a concerted effort to feature women's wrestling on this year's WrestleMania. I think we're going to have three, maybe four matches involving women on the main card, maybe another on the kickoff show. And let's kind of get into it on what's going on. And and most of it's really happening on Raw. Understandably so, it's a way stronger women's roster than SmackDown. But they have this women's elimination chamber coming up. Alexa Bliss is defending the title in this one, whereas the men's obviously is for a number one contendership. And you know the field. Bliss, uh, Bailey, Banks, and then Mickey James and Absolution. Nia Jax is not in this match. So Bliss cut a promo on Raw, BC, and basically said what I just did, like tore apart the fact that these are not separate but equal. They're separate and completely different. She has to defend the title, whereas Brock Lesnar does not. And I'm going to tell you, man, I popped massive for it because it's what I actually believe. And the fact that she was able to say that stuff about Brock Lesnar with basically no repercussions for me (laughs) was great. I'm wondering, since I did the recap, I usually get to read your opinions. What did you think of what everything that went down with the women, but particularly that segment Monday Night Raw? Uh, uh, wow, another ghost talking there. Uh, we're hearing some some voices jump in. Uh, I like where they're going with this. I, I like the rip on Brock. I, I have a counter rip and be like, why does uh, Raw men have to have play-in matches to the chamber, but Raw women don't, right? It was the same thing for the build-up to men's and women's money in the bank. It didn't make a ton of sense. It's interesting. So Asuka's not in this match because she won the Rumble and now has an opportunity to, to pick her title. It's interesting that we, we all assume she's going to pick the winner of this match, right? But is that not for 
Is that really the case is sort of my follow-up question. Because if Rousey is engaged in authority corporate level matchmaking, then that would open up the opportunity to do a champion or, or Oscar versus Charlotte, for example. You know, so it's, it's interesting where they go with this. I thought it was interesting that they put some women into the chamber that I didn't really think were ready. Right. The Absolution girls didn't really think they're at this point. I'm okay with them being in it. There's only so many women on the roster. The weird thing for me is they don't put Mickey James in the match. I mean, sorry, they put Mickey James in the match. They don't put Nia Jax in the match. And then they force themselves to explain it away by having her face Asuka with an opportunity for her to get into the Raw women's title match at WrestleMania on the line. Now, Kurt Angle, when he made that announcement, I honestly think it was just way too convoluted and they gave Angle way too much to say and he flubbed it up. But he basically said that, well, Oscar's going to challenge for the Raw title and Jax can play her way into that match and make it a triple threat. I think that was more of a mistake than a storyline. But what sense does that make? And why, and why should anyone ever think that Oscar's three-year undefeated streak is going to end at the hands of Nia Jax <laughs> at, uh, at the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view? True. So that guarantees you that, that obviously, that, that Nia's – I'm sorry, that, that she's not going to lose. But the key thing, I think, here is the undeveloped storyline between Bliss – and real life best friend Nia Jax, which they tease a bunch of times, right? The bot, she's a bodyguard for her. She'll do her her handiwork, and then sometimes Nia will snap at her and do a Samoan drop and be like, "I want a title shot." I wonder if that's going to be a big part of this, right? Like Bliss somehow costing her friend Nia a, a victory in that spot out of fairness to say, "Well, why would I have to be in a? I think I'm going to win the Elimination Chamber, so why would I have to be in a triple threat? I got to keep my friend Nia from winning this match. Maybe that's part of it, and maybe that has a callback in the women's Elimination Chamber match. I think just good that we don't know. Yeah, it's a little stormy and confusing, but I want to give them the chance to play it out because where do we think this is all heading, Adam? If Ronda goes in the direction of Triple H and Stephanie." Where do we think the rest of them are going to fall in? I mean, is it Bliss at Mania as the champion? What do you think? So what I really wanted to happen, what I thought they were going to do immediately coming out of the Royal Rumble, I think I said this on the pod, was I wanted Flair Rousey for SmackDown, although we know Rousey, God forbid they put her on SmackDown brand and give it some shine, you know what I mean? I was hoping that would be one match, and the other match would have Sasha Banks beating Alexa Bliss in the chamber. So you have the title change just like you did last year with Bray Wyatt. And then Asuka, Sasha Banks, which they were kind of building to with a mate. It seems like they're about to turn Sasha Banks heel. And I thought it was for Asuka. I'm now thinking it's for Bailey. And they've been teasing that for about six or nine months. They haven't been consistently doing it. There have been, you know, teases of it. Then they're best friends again, so on and so forth. So here's the problem with that, though. We're not going to get four to five women's matches on Mania. That's ultimately your problem. I no, I think, think we are go that way unless they load that undercard, because let's not forget the popcorn match at Mania last year was that six pack Smackdown women's challenge. And they only well, that, was a problem. that was a problem because it was one of two matches on the show. But you can have one or two ma- women's matches on the pre-show if you have two or three women's matches on the main card. So you're going to have both women's titles on the main card. No doubt about it, in my opinion. And you're if if Ronda Rousey ends up being in this mixed match, you know, against Stephanie McMahon, that's a main card match. That's three. You can easily put Sasha Banks Bailey on the pre-show. You can easily put Alexa Bliss Nia Jax on the you pre-show. Know what's more likely, I, I, 
no, don't know how they're doing it. Women's Battle Royal, women's Andre the Giant Memorial, right? Like a uh, yeah. Mountain Fiji Glow Memorial Battle Royal. I mean, there's that's probably the the that's how you get people on the card, right? That's what you do. I mean, this is prime real estate as we know on Mania, right? Mo- Samoa Joe didn't even appear last year. Some really good matches, like the Miz in a title match got pushed to the under. Or no, it was Ambrose in a title match against Corbin got pushed to the undercard and the IC title. Like this is what happens. It's interesting. I, I think they have way better players, obviously, on Raw in terms of the women's division. Like, really, on SmackDown, I want to see Charlotte. I want to see Becky when booked right. I don't really want to see anybody else. That's 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 where they're at there. So, the, so obviously... Before, before we fully move off women's wrestling in general here, cause, and we have a bunch of talk, to still talk about, you know, we're trying to catch up on two weeks here in one single episode. I still like BC, the Mixed Match Challenge, and I almost don't understand why you don't. And I'm going to give you two quick examples. Yes. This past week, Rose Gold, Mandy Rose and Goldust, I thought were fantastic. I thought it was cool that Uso and Naomi were together and, you know, were able to be a married couple. I thought it was great that the end of the show, they showed Rusev and Lana together. They cut a promo and it almost made you wonder, like, wait, why isn't Lana his manager? They're perfect <laughs> together. He doesn't need any aid in English. They're so damn over together. It doesn't make any sense. And then last week. The thing I had been waiting for this entire mixed match challenge, Alexa Bliss Braun Strowman fully delivered, over delivered. So for me, mixed match challenge is fun. Tell me why you're not having fun. Well, I think you just explained that they're starting to figure it out. Look, for some people from the beginning, like you, and I'm not saying this negatively, I'm saying for some people that the concept was good enough, right? Just seeing how show matches with weird in, you know, intergender teams was fine. That was that wasn't for me, right? It was it was house show stuff. I already have too many hours of WWE to watch. The presentation wasn't different. It was straightforward. It was like when two hundred five live would come on after SmackDown, and everything looks the same. It's nothing different. They're starting to get there now. The whole, by the way, the whole Lana thing just makes me wonder. I wonder if they only broke up Lana and Rusev for the Total Divas storyline of Lana having to become a wrestler and wanting, and I don't even watch that show, I'm just gauging from the commercials that I see that like she's causing drama behind the scenes because she wants to be a wrestler so bad. I often wonder if it was just for that and it's a fail, but then again, WWE's in it for the money. They're not in it to please me as a smart fan. That conversation aside, uh, what do I need? I need more of MMC to be like, the close with Braun Strowman and Alexa Bliss. And I don't even have a problem with Braun Strowman being almost babyface presentation like some people do. That's fine because, look, the Mixed Max Challenge is an alternate universe. So to me, it's got to be a completely alternate universe of, like, flashy stuff, flashy stuff, flashy stuff. And that little promo they did back and forth had, like, some Attitude Era feels, right, of going all the way. It was fun. It had me laughing. It had me wanting to know where the storyline goes from here. I need that the whole episode. To me... It's too much wrestling. It's a 22-minute show, and it's too much of house show wrestling that I don't really care about in rest holds. I need this broadcast to be so different. I need – if you're going to make it an interactive show – and by the way, they are smart on one thing. They have wrestlers chiming into the Facebook chat, like Bobby Roode talking trash about Braun Strowman. Put that on the screen and make that a a part of the show. Put fan comments on the screen and have the people react. Make it this weird, different thing. Just don't make it house show wrestling. If they can go away from that, Adam, I will buy in. Because the ultimate problem with MMC from day one until now is that there's nothing at stake. Fans don't care about the charities. I wouldn't even care about a trophy. There's nothing at stake to real-life WWE. So until they turn it into rock and jock and they're starting to figure out how, I can't watch it. I didn't watch this week. I can't. I can't watch it. I agree that the charity part's a fail. I think there's so, there's just minor tweaks they can make. I think I think it's good right now. Um, I think they can make it great. Put 
have Renee Young walk around the ring with a mic, jump on the ropes. Yes. Uh, or jump jump on the ring apron. I'm Make sorry. Interview and interview the wrestlers while their while their competitors are going on to the ring while their other you know other side of their team is going on in the ring. They've mic'd up the wrestlers and they're letting you hear them. They're usually putting this audio after they can edit it, obviously, on Twitter, on Facebook, etc. But some of it's coming through on the broadcast. Mic up the wrestlers. Let them talk during the match. They don't have to talk to the audience. Just talk to each other. Like make believe that it's how the conversations actually go in the match, and they're not actually calling the spots. I know that's probably a little too difficult because they still need to call spots during the match. Um, but but you know, you know what it should be. You know what that show should be. Do you see that web show they have? I don't even know if it's a web show or or whatever or a network show where they take superstars and they have them compete in like other sports. They have like a basketball shooting contest or they play Jenga against each other. I, I know this is incredibly cheesy, right? What if you merged that idea with the old Tuesday Night Titans talk show setting? If they gave me 22 minutes a week that was separate from the WWE regular universe and it involved these mixed teams either doing some kind of physical challenges against each other and having a talk show element of trash talk back and forth unscripted stuff i would be much more into that than it is now that's what that's it. you know you want to do that you want to get to know the superstars better i think that's the better angle you could even do like an hour where they do like three competitions two different ones uh and then the final one's a match they get points and there's a winner every week like yes. there are interesting things that they could do i agree um but i i just disagree with you i think they're, they're just trying to do something different it's low impact they're, they're not spending money on it um, they're trying to see if Facebook Live or Facebook Watch works as a platform for them. I think it's going pretty well, uh, but I think we probably spent too much time on Mixed Match Challenge BC. Let's move over to, to 205 yes. Live, which I know is something that we teased the bag earlier, uh, and now we'll give you the mess. So Dave Meltzer has reported, and others I think have reported Mike as well. Mike Johnson, PW Insider, give him, he's reported. PW, PW Insider, reported. that's right, I'm sorry. I, I knew it was others, I just didn't know who it was. Um, that Triple H now has the book and perhaps nothing was a greater indication of that than they're now being a general manager that looks like an oompa loompa or at least he did <laughs> in his debut and do not tell me i'm wrong because i'll send you a picture with them side by side he looks like an oompa loompa uh, former rock star spud and if you didn't know that used to be his name they sure told you on wwe television i don't even know who the guy is but his nat his new name is drake maverick so You've now seen two weeks of the new 205 Live with Drake Maverick in charge. How do you think it's going? I think it's going great. I think it's going And uh, I'm like, I didn't know the first two weeks that Triple H had the book, but once you found that out, it made a lot of sense. They haven't fully transformed 205 Live back to the peak form. And this is not a new idea on this show for me to tell you that 205 Live should be like the Cruiserweight Challenge was. Put it in a small arena. Let these guys, you know, wrestle their, their heads off and show you what Cruiserweights do. They're fun. They're high-flying. That's why they opened WCW Nitro back in the day. There wasn't storylines. It was, let's watch a high-flying match to get people fired up. It needs to go back to that. It's going back to that within storyline. This Drake Maverick thing is interesting. I think he has a great name and a great look. He was Rockstar Spud in TNA, pretty good high flyer, better talker than wrestler, but can do some things. I like how they're starting this because you made the Willy Wonka reference saying he looks like an Oompa Loompa because he has a horrific spray tan. But he's almost <laughs> giving me a Willy Wonka vibe where I'm not really sure if he's a heel or a face or if he's going to end up, you know, getting into the ring. I think it's an interesting choice. We all thought they would go Rey Mysterio or Daniel Bryan or something for 205 Live GM, and instead they're going in an alternate new direction. This is so smart what Triple H is doing. One, 
bringing back the idea that it needs to be more like the CWC. In fact, every time Jake Maverick talks backstage in a segment to a to a superstar, he's like ripping them and saying almost what we're saying. Who cares about storylines? Let's go back into doing what you do. Be the TJP of old from the CWC, for example, right? Go back to just giving us high-flying matches. We're not all the way there in the ring, but we're a lot closer. Part of that is in bigger arenas. It's going to translate different. Part of that is you're watching the slow evolution back to that. But it's a no-brainer to go back to the CWC. Now, that was special because of the arena. It was special because Daniel Bryan and Mauro Ronaldo, in year after year, will realize this, did A++++ play-by-play in color. Like... The, the team on 205 Live now, Nigel McGuinness and the, and the other new young guy, Vic Joseph, they're okay. They're not great. They're not even close to that level. It's, of, the, F, it's the F announced team. It is. It's literally it is. They're, it's the lowest one they it's have. Just not, it's just not great. I don't want to rip on them, but it's just not what, you know. I think we'll get there. The one thing that you're noticing, and it makes sense again with Triple H, is you're getting an NXT changeover. And we've said, why can't 205 Live be from the NXT arena? Use a lot of the NXT guys. Well, we're doing that now. We're getting Roddy Strong. We're getting Hideo Itami. Everything about it is A++. I want to see where Drake Maverick goes within storyline. I want to see everything. I love that they're doing the tournament. The only thing I'd, I'd say is make us feel the tournament a little bit more. Like, I love the end game as Mania. But show us brackets on the screen. Let us know who's actually in it and who's going to play. Like, make us actually care. Like, the way they set up the CWC was brilliant with video packages, with everything, with a, a play-in show. There was like a like a selection show type opportunity. Like, they did everything right. Look, Triple H, take us to the promised land. It's part of the larger argument, Adam, that I made off the top of the show. What would the world look like if Triple H booked the main roster? The more you read these dirt sheets... He's assembling a team around him. He just hired over Jeremy Borash from TNA, a, a, a announcer, interviewer, a guy who did a lot behind the scenes. He's cultivating a team because one day, Adam, they're going to call the bullpen. And I don't want to be, you know, dark here. That call of the bullpen may come for, for you know, may come because uh, for different reasons, right? What if Vince's XFL takes off and, and he's on to that? What if Vince is no more? One of these days that call is going to come to the bullpen and Triple H is going to take WWE to the promised land because Triple H has been a bigger part of this revolution than a lot of people want to realize. He's taken the revolution and brought it to WWE. And 205 Live is, is a product of that. CWC was a product of that. NXT is a product of that. It's indie at its finest in WWE. This is such a great step forward. I just I gave you think, a lot of words. Take those words and deal with them how you No, no, my bad. And my bad, and I interrupted you at the end, too. I do think the real revolution in pro wrestling is what we're seeing with Triple H in WWE. And it's, it's, it's like, we talked about it, and Nick kind of poo-pooed it a little bit. I think NXT is the, is the best brand in professional wrestling right now, top to bottom. Combination, in-ring product, booking, storyline development. It sucks that it's taped. So, like, I, avo- I actually avoid the results, which is great. I never thought I'd be able to do that in 2018. So for me, it's new every week, but I think they're the best thing going. Uh, to counter some of your points here, I think the reason they're not doing brackets is because a lot of the entrants in this are surprises, and they don't want to give those away or just have, like, TBD, you know, situations. What I don't love about the brackets so far is, like, why were Tommy and Strong going head-to-head when they probably should have met in a later round? So things like that I didn't fully love. Um and I, one other thing I want to clarify, I wasn't necessarily ripping on the 205 Live announced team. I was just being honest. Like, in terms of seniority, you know, you talk about A team, B team, C team. They are the F team. They're the, the youngest, newest put together. They're not very good. They're also still young. Since Daniel Bryan is on SmackDown and he wants more to do and they tape 205 Live on Tuesday nights, 
there's no good reason for him not to be on that commentary yes. team. It really does not make sense. Because well, um, One second, Adam, because the best thing that it did, and we've talked about this before, they presented the CWC as real sports, right? They shook right. hands before. They Moro got you caring, and Daniel got you caring that a victory in this tournament would like save people's careers, right? Like That Brian Kendrick story was beautiful. I would love if 205 Live felt like real sports. That's you know It would be great. So to that point, I think they are shooting themselves in the foot by taping it Tuesday nights at, from 10 to 11 o'clock after they've already done a two-hour SmackDown and a mixed match challenge, and everyone is fully going for all the big stars. Now, all of a sudden, you have these 205 Live people, and they're high flyers, and it's exciting action, but they're not the big names. So I don't know what the resolution for that is. I don't know if you can actually start an arena show at 7 and do it then and tell your hardcore fans to get there earlier. But there's something with the big arena that doesn't work. There's something that doing it late after everything else is done that does not work for me. And I know it's called 205 Live, but maybe you need to tape it and do, you know, that same day tape to air like they did used to do, I think, a couple times for Raw uh, when it was in different locations. Like I think when it was England, they would tape it, air it later that night. Um, You have to do something like that to make this feel more real and more legitimate. I will say they're in the right direction. But the question I was going to posit to you is, is it good enough to sustain? For me, not yet. What do you think? Yeah, I because look, I used to watch the beginning of 205 Live because the wrestling was really good. You want to know why they get they would have only like three matches per card back then. It was an hour show almost. Each match was getting like 20 minutes and, it, and the matches were great. Then it evolved more into storyline you know, centered around Enzo and, and Neville and then eventually Enzo and, and Vince obviously had a big hand in that. I think that it could sustain me because they have to make the matches matter in a tournament. Now the matches matter, but they have to find a way to make the matches matter. Talk about these people like almost like they're real, do real life type of elements and just let the wrestling speak for itself. I think they can. Obviously, they could stamp it home so much more by putting it in the NXT arena and changing the days that they film it and all the good suggestions that you got. I don't know if it's ever going to fully work in the big arena, but I, again, I trust Triple H. In two weeks, he just made giant moves. Like, if you told me three weeks ago Rockstar Spud was going to be the G, I'd be like, get out of here. <laughs> like, like, he's okay, right? Like, he's a character. Like, I mean, to me, he's no different than Mandrews, who is now in WWE as Mark Andrews. You know, he was in the UK tournament. Now he's on 205 Live. Like, he's okay. But, hey, Spud's working out. Like, I, I'm interested. I, I just look all faith in Triple H. And I don't mean to be corny about this, but all faith in Triple H. And you're right. NXT on its finest day is showing you. Because when you mix in the storyline and you mix the availability to it, when it's at its best, it can be at its best. They don't always have a loaded roster. They're going in the right direction right now. Man, never cheering for Vince to have health problems. Never cheering for Vince to have business problems. I'm just cheering for Triple H to get the call from the bullpen. Adam, will we ever see that? So you know what? Uh, The XFL starts in 2020. And Vince can say that it's not changing his day-to-day. But... At some point, he has to spend a portion of his day working on the XFL. So whether it starts with SmackDown or whether it is some other integration or change that we don't know and it happens behind the scenes just in terms of booking, you know, top to bottom, I think in the next 12 to 24 months, we are going to see WWE storylines take a massive shift um, and go by the way of Triple H's decision making. Um, and to that point, so I mentioned it earlier in the show and I mentioned a couple minutes ago that for me, NXT is the best thing going right now. We didn't talk before the show today. We kind of rushed into taping this podcast. Are you fully caught up on NXT the last 
two weeks of TV. So the one that they taped coming out of Philadelphia, like it's like a kind of a house show almost. And then the first new edition that they taped in Atlanta and just aired last night. We're taping this on Thursday. So Wednesday night of this week. Sadly, not caught up on the most recent NXT episode, but I'm not afraid of spoilers. What do you got? for me? No, I was just curious if how you felt storylines were developing and things were going there because we talked a couple weeks ago before NXT Philadelphia um, that they didn't really have the roster that they did, you know, a couple months ago or a couple of years ago where literally you get Nakamura, Balor, you know, Samoa Joe, Kevin these Owens, massive tag good. teams. Yeah, tons of stuff going on. And, and I had felt that everything was really thinning out. And proof of that was Almas and Gargano being in the main event of that show. I've now since come around and said, well, that's maybe one of the best matches I've ever seen. I know. I didn't. And, but, by, by the way, I didn't believe in Johnny as a main eventer either. But like you, you get involved in that story and he wins you over. Yeah. So on what? So on NXT Wednesday night, it's the only quote unquote spoiler I'll give. Some other stuff happened on the show. None of it really important. But they had Gargano and Alma score off again in the main event of the show. Not the main event. I'm sorry. In a major in-ring segment. Uh, obviously, Serena, Selena Vega was out there with Almas. Candice LeRae came out to join Gargano after Vega started pushing him. And the end result of it all, BC, and they didn't say when it's going to happen, but Johnny Gargano is going to get one more chance at Andrade Cien Almas for the NXT title. And if he loses the match, he has to leave NXT. Oh, love it. Love that. I thought, so, by the way, I thought you were going to say there's going to be a mixed tag team, which I wouldn't be against, by the way. I just watched I that okay. WWE yeah. 24 and relived how good the build for Miz and Maurice against, you know, Cena and Nikki were, even though the match was, you know, kind of a mail-in. But, um, yeah, that's that gets me fired up. And it's like we didn't think they had a deep roster, but it's coming together very fast, right? It's not just black. It's not just Velveteen Dream. The Undisputed Era is looking so good, Adam, right now. Like, the way they're being booked and presented, I am so fired up about it. It's working now. Like, they've come around full circle. Adam Colbebe is working. And Shayna Baszler, I'm going to argue that she's not the best thing going on NXT. I have loved its perfection the way they're handling her, Adam. For somebody who's so raw and limited, the way that they put her over as this destructive force, her personality is perfect. I am so fired up where they're going. I think they have a deep roster now. If you add Ricochet, War Machine, you know, some EC3, some of these other guys, like I'm back in believing that this could be really the best thing going in this direction with Gargano and almost. We know Ciampa's eventually going to come back. It's it's not as great as Four Horsewomen, Kevin Owens, Shinsuke, Finn Balor, Tyler Breeze, on and on and on in early 2015. But it's getting there because you still have Ember Moon, who's amazing. You still have the iconic duo. You still have Nikki Cross. You still have Sanity. AOP, who probably is only going to be there another day. But, like, we're I back. Just like that you threw, I, I just like that you're naming all these amazing superstars and then Tyler Breeze. Oh, well, I, like did you, that, I did like, that I wasn't to pop you, you but you do have to remember he was big time in NXT. And obviously a lot of these guys. Well, he wasn't, no, he really wasn't, though. Like, people popped for him. The crowd was. But he wasn't a main eventer. This guy wasn't entitled. It was really the title picture or anything. Come on. But he's a great worker, man. Watch that. I know match. you like him. Watch know, that match with Jushin Thunder Liger from the 2015 NXT uh, was good. Brooklyn, right? That was very good. I will. So to counter everything. So to talk about what you just said, I agree with you. I'm very impressed with the way things are going. By the way, the main event of this NXT show, BC, that you probably need to watch as soon as we hang up and finish this is Sanity versus Undisputed Era six man. Oh. Tornado. Hey, one more thing on NXT and why it's so good. And I know Vince on the main roster and Raw has a different, like they're getting ratings. They're trying to do different things. But you mentioned right. Gargano had another sort of interlude there against uh, Almas. 
But it, guess what? It wasn't a match. It wasn't an instant rematch. Like, when you see a great pay-per-view match, and then you have to watch the instant rematch on Raw the next night, I know NXT's Correct. not in the ratings game. I know that. But it's just another example of Triple H saving things for when you should see them, which is the pay-per-views, and not filling Raw. Like, again, The Miz had another title rematch with Reigns, and it was a great—it was fine. It was a good match. We don't need that on Raw. I know— that holds ratings, but we don't need that. You know what that could have been? It could have been a talking segment. It could have been a contract signing. It could have been all the other things that used to be more staples to get people over. That's so. That's actually that's actually my one concern with this Gargano Almas rematch, and that is they're not doing. I don't think they're going to be doing this at NXT Takeover New Orleans. I mean, you're talking April. It's early February right now. So I'm actually legitimately concerned that they do it on a taped edition of NXT. And either they have a title change, which I doubt, or Gargano loses again because of uh, Ciampa, which is fine. But if it's taped and we know it, like that does ruin it a little for me. And a match of this magnitude coming out of a five-star, you know, barn burner at NXT TakeOver Philadelphia, that bothers me a little bit. And I still do think Almas is going to take this title into New Orleans against Aleister Black. To me, that's the match. You put the strap on Black, like you're rolling, you're on absolute fire if he's your champion in a feud with almost coming out of wrestlemania weekend i got great i got to bring up one more i know we're, we're over on time we're going to get out of here soon but one more thing on nxt who do we think that let's say by may from nxt is going to be a full-timer i think aop yes yeah authors of pain yeah. uh almost maybe because i mean he was in the rumble he looked great and you do need I, to I, have adam cole on top eventually so on the top of nxt i mean so yes who else do you think? Um, I think it depends. I think it depends what happens with Drew McIntyre and his health. I, I don't know what his timetable is because when he comes back, there's a chance they just bring him straight up to the main roster. Like he won the title, lost it. It's over. Let's forget kind of like that. He was there. Um, or if they bring him back, I think you bring up Alma. So I think it's one of those two. And I think it's AOP. I really don't know who else it is. They just, you have to remember, they just brought up, Six women, if you include Paige, out of NXT. Mistake. Not including, not including the uh, iconic duo, which is still there, hasn't been on TV in a while, probably because they don't have anything for them. But what are they going to get into? You still have Kari saying there, Ember Moon, I don't think is ready to come up necessarily. Shayna Baszler is going to be NXT Women's Champion, probably coming out of New Orleans. Or Rousey's bodyguard. We'll see Rousey's bodyguard. What'd you say? I'm sorry. Or Rousey's bodyguard eventually when Rousey has more of a heel look. Right now she's America's sweetheart. You know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I think she's still a face at least for the time being. Um, so I think there's a lot of people that are sticking there. So I, I don't necessarily know that we're going to have a massive call up coming out of WrestleMania. Maybe with the superstar shakeup, we'll get AOP if they don't come in after the bludgeon. I I still think it's going to be Usos AOP at WrestleMania. Uh, that's just me. But if they don't come up now, they're, they're going to come up soon. And like I said, Almas or McIntyre. But I don't think they have enough enough depth, even when they add these um, other t- old TNA guys or you know independent guys, whatever you want to call them, to just start bringing people up like they have the last few years. I think things really need to marinate in NXT. They have a good tag team picture with the Street Profits, uh, TM61, and some of the other teams Stakes that they have weights, in there. Bro. Stakes but, and but weights, bro. Stakes and weights. and weights. I still think they're just like they, if they ever leave NXT, I'll be shocked. No, no, no. 
they're basically Ty Dillinger and NXT. I know Ty ended up getting called up, and look, he's doing nothing in the main roster, right? He's an NXT guy. He should be an NXT. Anyway, that's that's my take on that. Uh, NXT going in a good direction. I just don't think you need to call up a lot right now because the WWE right. roster is so – the main roster is so loaded, and if you're going to call people up, you got to drop people. Like, And we don't really see a lot of turnover outside of like Mark Henry retiring, but he wasn't on TV for a long time. Like, We don't see a lot of it. And by the way, the WWE main roster is pretty loaded right now. Like, They need to shake it up, obviously, but it's pretty loaded. And like might be getting Lashley, might be getting Rey Mysterio. Things are looking pretty good. And it's not just because it's WrestleMania season. Yeah. So, hey, Nick. Hey, everyone out there. This is not a complaint podcast. This is a podcast that tells it like it is. And we have a lot to be happy about right now. Adam, I'm trying to think if we see if we missed anything else. Jason Jordan's hurt. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's tough, right? We want to see the payoff of the situation with Kurt Angle and what it could be. Maybe that's a SummerSlam thing. Then Maybe that's what you do because you don't need it for Mania. You don't. You really don't. You don't, um, especially if you end up somehow linking Kurt Angle and Ronda Rousey together if you don't get The Rock. Um, I think you can avoid it and tell that story at a later time. It just I think it is really tough for Seth Rollins that he was in this tag team picture. There was something going on with Ambrose. There was something going on with Jason Jordan. You had Roman Reigns being part of the Shield. That never really got started the way they wanted to because Roman got sick, and it never reached a resolution because Ambrose got injured. Just like last year, and I think the last two years, but definitely last year, WWE has really had its WrestleMania plans not changed, but the road to get there extremely altered by injury, yes. uh, suspension, or you know, all just a confluence of things that have happened. And some, like, why does it happen now? Like, why is it always happening in the road to WrestleMania, and it doesn't happen immediately after WrestleMania when they can actually <laughs> sustain? Like, they don't need these storylines then. They don't need all these people, but they need them now. And every single year it happens, like coming out of SummerSlam, you know, down this stretch, people get injured, people get sick, people get hurt, storylines massively change. WWE is, though, at its best when they're forced to to scramble at the last minute, except for Kurt Angle in the TLC main event. Adam, uh, before we get out of there, one other note we did. We touched on quick the NJPW new beginning pay-per-view that happened Rumble weekend. It was a two-night show. If anyone does get a chance to go back on the NJPW network there and rewatch the main event from night one, Minoru Suzuki defeated Hiroshi Tanahashi for the Intercontinental title. A 32-minute, I think, five-star classic, but it's five-star in the simplest sense. It was a match about an injury. It was a match about Suzuki focusing on Tanahashi's knee for a half hour and two legends told it with old school brilliance. It was gritty. It ended by referee stoppage. I just spoiled the whole match. I'm sorry. I'm just going to tell people that it's, I mean, Suzuki is a gem. We teased on it once in a while, right? Like like 50 years old, MMA pioneer. He's doing better work than a lot of the WWE roster. Like this guy's incredible. That was a great main event. It's old school wrestling at its finest. NJPW headed in a good re- good direction. I know it's weird that some NJPW guys leave and take the storyline with them to Ring of Honor. Look, I still don't even get how that works, right? It's all part of this whole big thing, but shout out to that right there. Yeah, I'm excited to see it all. Thanks for ruining, ruining it for me. What you guys don't know is uh, Brian sometimes uh, watches Raw live, especially during the NFL season. I don't. I try to you know catch up after, after Monday Night Football is over. The guy spoils everything for me, and this time you got to hear him do it Live right on the Character podcast. Flaw. The other thing, the other thing, I'll break the fourth wall a little bit. I'll tell you is right before this podcast started, I actually sent Brian a message, and I told him, and this is legitimate. I was walking into the CBS Sports office here in Fort Lauderdale, and I saw a guy, no joke, who looked exactly like Minoru <laughs> Suzuki. And I don't, I've never seen him before. I don't know where he came from. I, I, I'm not sure what happened, but if I can find him the rest of the day, I will take 
I'll try to take a picture with him if he's uh, willing. If it was actually Suzuki, probably not, uh, and post it on Twitter. But, man, strange and strange that you brought it up right here to end the show. Photos or it didn't happen. Adam, to close, we want to remind the, the great listeners, passionate listeners, if you haven't given us that five-star review on Apple Podcasts, do that. Subscribe, rate, review. Do us a solid right there. It does go a long way in the larger future of how podcasts are consumed. And, you know, follow us on the interwebs. You know our addresses, but follow that at in this corner CBS handle for our podcast. You get a lot of combat sports news and, and stories and, and updates there as well. For the handsome and well-dressed one, Nick Costos, for the Silver King himself, I am the Brian Campbell. Adam, do you have any message, maybe two words of a message to give the people as we close? Before the two words, the thing that we actually don't, we tell you to rate, we tell you to review. What we don't tell you to do, and we should, is share and tell your friends. We want this group of Samsonites to grow. We want to be the biggest podcast in professional wrestling. And with that, I do have two words for you. We're out.